you feel like parenting is hard? Do you feel overwhelmed trying to navigate discipline? Stuck wondering why you keep losing the parenting game despite putting forth your best effort? Are you always looking for the rules of the game but can't seem to find it? Well, today on the podcast, I'm happy to speak with Amy Ambrosich, who is here with solutions and strategies to help us all up our parenting game. Stay tuned. You ever find yourself asking, why isn't this taught in school? My entrepreneurial and parenthood journeys really highlighted the gap between what the world needs and what our schools are actually teaching, and how woefully unprepared most people are to achieve their greatest dreams. The people truly winning in a postmodern economy have a different set of skills that aren't taught in school and are privy to information not taught to the masses. With that in mind, we invite you on our journey to glean from the world's most successful leaders and icons of industry the real skills the next generation needs moving forward. We are on a mission to help teens skip the lunch line for the front line of a movement, empowered with the knowledge and skills needed to thrive in a fast-paced, dynamic, ever-changing world. This is Skipping Lunch Lines. We're glad you're here. Hello, friends. Hope everything is great in your corner of the podcast universe. Today on the show, I am happy to have another return visitor from the launch week back for her full episode. Today we have Amy Ambrosich. Amy is a parenting and step-family coach and the owner behind Dare to Parent, her coaching program and online community support network to help parents and step-parents to overcome family struggles, lead their families with confidence, and guide parents to build family environments where their children can thrive in. Welcome to the show, Amy. Thank you for having me. Great. I first off want to acknowledge you for the work that you do. As a single mother trying to navigate the world of co-parenting, You are making such a huge impact on the families you serve. This is a service I definitely could have used when my ex and I were separating. So I want to say thank you for doing the most important work that you do. Well, thank you so much. That means a lot to me. I know the one thing that you're like really big about is helping families create value systems for their families. Um, And I kind of wanted to, to delve into that a little bit. So this whole idea of creating a family culture, and to me, when I think of family culture, I think of vision, values, goals. Um, I find them all to be related. So what I want to know is why is it important to be intentional in the creation of, of your family culture? The vision, values, and goals that I had talked to you about earlier that I work and really focus on is that family foundation. And that comes from, I was raised very old school, and I'm very proud to say that I was raised old school because it really planted some good foundational skills in me that I needed to then raise my kids um, that way. But I, one of the things I learned from my parents is you need to parent with intention. Well, if you to parent with intention, you need to know what those intentions are. So you need to have a clear vision for what you want your family to be. And I have, when I coach um, families, when I coach couples, I really work on this foundational stuff before I even get to the discipline piece, because you need to know where you're going, which is your vision. You need to know how you're going to get there, which is the values, like the guardrails for your family. Mm -hmm. And then you need to set the goals of, of little goals to get to the big vision. So Working on that personal piece for your family of, you know, values. We need to know what our values are and what we expect from our kids. And the interesting thing is when I work with couples, especially, it's funny because 
I'll ask them that I have this whole values process for them to go through and they have the sheet that they fill out and the top 10 values that I want to instill in the kids. And then we narrow it down. And then I say to them things like, okay, you both put respect on there as one of the values that you want for your family. What does that look like? Oh, wow. I could see they, they probably have different (laughs) answers. What it looks like. It's very interesting because I will get, I'll ask the one partner, I'll say, so what does respect look like to you? And she'll give me a list. Well, this and that and this and that. And then her husband will turn around and go, why would you say that? This is what respect looks like. And he'll give his list. And there might be some common points, but there's some very different expectations. And I remind them, if the two of you don't know what that's supposed to look like, how do you translate that to your kids? How do your kids know how to be respectful if the two of you aren't on the same page for that? So let's figure out what that looks like. What behaviors are you expecting from your kids when you say you need to be respectful? If kids don't know, they're not gonna be able to fulfill that request from you. Mm -hmm. So again, that goes back to parents being intentionally clear on what are the and I, I usually gear my couples to five. What are the top five things? And we have a whole process that I work through with them to get right. them to the top five. And I make sure they're on the same page. Like, okay, we agree that together, this is the top five for you. And what are those going to look like? What expectations do you have behavior-wise for each of these? And we literally write this stuff down because I want it super clear when they go and sit down with their kids to say, okay, there's been a lot of fighting, there's been a lot of arguing and bickering, and we feel that you guys are not being respectful. This is what respectful means, and these are our expectations. I love it. So that goes I, back to planting that family foundation. Kids need to know what it is that you mean so they can fulfill it. Right. It's easy to succeed and excel when you have the vision of what excelling looks like. If you want our kids to behave... Well, we got to tell them exactly what behaving looks like. You know what I mean? You can't just say, I need you to behave. It's more, you have to outline what are the actions that are acceptable? What are the actions that are not acceptable? And how you define what behavior is. And one thing that parents don't necessarily know is that the, the part of the brain that handles the executive functions, which are the things that slow us down and go, hang on a minute, is this a good decision or not? That doesn't develop until about the age of 25. So we have to get them through middle school, high school, and college (laughs) making really important decisions. And that part of the brain is kind of like running scrambled eggs, especially when they're kids. Right. Well, that's not the reason why we have to be very clear about our expectations and about the choices that they're making. Why is that a choice that you would make? What would happen if you made this choice? Look at the consequences of each of those choices. And I have a whole ABCs of parenting um, sheet that I can, if people are interested, I can hook them up with that. But it's interesting because when I start laying this stuff down for parents, they're like, oh, I never thought of any of this stuff. Yeah. Because we're not taught to think about this stuff. This was the stuff I watched my parents do. And it was interesting because I remember even being really, really young, I'd go over to friends' homes and I'd watch the way the parents interacted. And I'm like, that's interesting. Why do they do that? And our family does things that, you know, this way versus that way. Right. And for those of you that are 
um, co-parenting from dual households, I have a rule of thumb that, and I hope this helps, but it's great if you can be on the same page. I know there are some very nasty divorces and some very contentious co-parenting attempts. I get that. If you cannot co-parent well together, at least if you can have a few common expectations, behavioral expectations for your kids, that's helpful. It's that foundation for them. It's not about his rules or her rules. It's about this is how we want to raise our kids to be good human beings when we send them out into the world. If you cannot, and I know there are families that the, the, the co-parenting is a disaster, and I get that. If you can't, then you need to be really clear about what you want as your family foundation in your home because you cannot control that other parent and what they do in their home. But be super clear with your kids. In our home, when you walk in our door, these are the expectations. And hopefully you can work with your co-parent so that there's similar expectations in both homes. That's my goal. <laughs> my <laughs> lofty goal is to help co-parenting parents get on the same page for at least a few nuggets because the more consistency between the homes and the messaging between the parents, the more consistency your kids get, the easier it is for them to behave well. Right. And I think I want to reiterate what you said because that is the situation that I found myself in raising my son. We separated and it was not, it was contentious as much as I wanted it not to be. And mm -hmm. I just feel if I had somebody to guide me during that, to, not me, just me, all of us, all the adults in his life, if we actually had a professional who could help guide us and how to figure out this co-parenting thing, because it's, there's a lot of emotion involved, there's a lot of fee, all these feelings, and the only thing that matters is the children at the end of the day. And everybody says they want that what's best for the kids, but sometimes that the actions don't map to that right. reality. If I could go back, I would probably hire somebody who can help us work through this, a, a third party, neutral third party, who can help us figure out what our goals for the, ch the child's gonna be, what values we want them to be raised in. These are such important things that every child needs to grow up in and every child deserves that and so for me figuring it out was really difficult because we were not on the same page he was not his father was not going to even try to be on the same page so it's just so hard to navigate and luckily we're past that in a lot of ways although sometimes it still pops up but I would just encourage anybody who's separating or separated and you want to be more effective as a parent like the two of you have to get on the same page as well as the step parents any step parents involved that adds a whole nother dynamic and i wonder if you could speak to that a little bit how do you know what when a third person starts making their way into the family dynamic what are some things that a parent you know maybe the other parent can do to really start bridging this, the communication and get the communication working to help kids instead of really standing in their way. Does that make sense, the question? Are you asking what can the birth parent do knowing that the other birth parent has this third person coming in? 
Right. Yeah. Like how can we best prepare our kids for the fact that now there's this third person and, and prepare them. And, uh, you know, obviously it's best if all the parents sit down and come up with some, a strategy. Right. What are, what are some things that a person can do when there's, they know a third person's starting to make their way into the picture? This is such, this is like, we could talk for five hours on just this topic. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to give just a couple, I'm just going to throw a couple things out there. And with all due respect to the parents that are going through this right now, if you are listening to this and going, oh, she thinks this is so easy. I know it's not, but literally I'm going to just give you kind of droplets of information right now because it is a giant pond that we have to work through. But the first thing I want to ask is for all of the parents or all of the adults involved to not include the kids in conversations that they shouldn't be in. So when you're talking finances, when you're talking things about custody battles and fights and things like that, please don't suck the kids into this and say, well, if your father would just do this, or if she would have paid for this, don't do that to your kids because your kids are then stuck in a loyalty dilemma. I love my mom. I love my dad. But right now, neither of them are speaking nicely about the other person. So does that mean I can't love either of them or I have to take a side and pick one? And how do you pick? Like, this is just wrong. It's wrong to put a child in that position because they can't. You're both their parents. When a third person is coming in, a potential step parent is coming in, keep the lines of communication open step parents as you slide into this do not try to um, discipline right away I have in fact I my website um, in my blogs there is an article about this step parents should not come in and immediately try to discipline step parents need to ease in figure out what's going on right now don't try to make any major changes right away because that'll just tip the boat even farther to the side which nobody needs that added chaos Try to just be that supportive. I always ask step parents as you come in, try to be a really positive adult in the house. You're not being asked to be the parent of the house. Just be the another adult that that kid can come to and go, I had a bad day at school, you know, and just, yeah. just be that person that they can come to and talk to. If you have a contentious relationship with your stepchildren, I talk about setting boundaries and still respectful behavior and things like that. Again, that's a whole nother five hour conversation. (laughs) Right. Um, But keeping kids out of adult conversations is super important. Don't bad mouth each other to your kids because that it just makes a whole mess. Don't ask your kids to like the step parent more than their other gender birth parent. So don't pit adults against adults in your child's eyes because it doesn't help anybody and it just makes everybody stressed. Let your kids know it is really okay. Let's say mom is talking to her child and then dad now has a girlfriend. It's okay to be nice to that girlfriend. It's okay to be, and I expect you to be respectful of her and behave appropriately to her. Yes, she's not me. You're not losing me because he's got her now. You're gaining another person to care about you, but you need to treat them well. The other part of that is just remind your kids that it's okay to love them. You know, it really is. Even though that's not your mom, 
if you two have a good bond, I am going to support that because she's another human being that's going to love you and have your back. And that's what we want in this world. So don't ask your kids to, to play favorites. Right. Yeah. I would totally 100% agree with that. <laughs> yeah. And that's one thing I try to do is, you know, because kids, you, they understand what's going on. And so it's, you have two parents that they love. And now there's a third person and you have to tell them they know they don't want you to be sad or hurt or whatever. So they want to protect your feelings. So you have to tell them, I want you to have a great relationship with them. Exactly what you're saying. Make sure you're respectful and it's totally okay if you want to hang out together with her or if you want to go or that you, that you respect her and love her. It's totally okay. They need to know that you feel that way that you right. respect that other parent yourself. So even though that's sometimes hard, you have yes. to just be the bigger person and be like, my child's needs are more important than whatever drama there is. So let me go and make peace with this parent. As much as you can, absolutely. <laughs> One of the really good questions that I learned through my, my training was for, if you're feeling contentious towards someone or someone's really angry with you, ask yourself, what is this person trying? What Anger usually comes from either fear, someone's afraid of something, or they're feeling a lack of control. So right. back and ask yourself, why is this person mad at me? What mm -hmm. is it that they're afraid of? What is it that they feel like they're losing control of? Some parents feel like when stepmom comes in that I'm going to lose control of my kid. And if you can reassure that other parent and say, I am not here to take over your kid, I am here to support and love your kid. But you that. are that child's mother. And I, you know, whatever happens, you gave birth to that kid and I will respect that relationship. Even if you don't like your child, your stepchild's birth mom or birth dad, that doesn't matter. You still need to at least lay the groundwork that, look, we're all the adults and we need to hold it together. <laughs> yeah, I love that. No, I just think that the work you're doing is just so important, Amy. Honestly, like I think a lot of kids, they fall through the cracks because their parents, they just, they don't know how to communicate with each other. They don't know how to set the boundaries that are, are required for children to thrive. And so I just think what you're doing is amazing. Well, thank you. And I, I've talked a lot about step parents, biological um, families too. Like my husband and I, We'll be married 30 years, raised three kids, they're all adults now. But there were times where we would look at each other and go, why are you doing that? Like, I don't understand. We had to backtrack and say, you know what? My parents parented me one way. Your parents parented you another way. We are now trying to blend that into some formation of parenting for our own children together right so you know this isn't just about step families this is about everybody we got to figure out what our goals are what are the what's the vision for our family what are the values we want to instill in our kids and what do we really want those goals at the end of the day where we can now step back like my husband and I can step back now and go all right we did okay. They all got educated. They all have good jobs. They're, they're in healthy relationships. We did okay. But you need to know that vision while they're young. So you know that you can sit back 30 years later and go, okay, we got this. We did what we shot out to do. 
I feel like so many parents just try to wing it. And that's just not a strategy for life, let alone raising children. So, I mean, in your practice, do you find that most people just try to wing it or oh gosh, what are statistics on that? Don't we all? I mean, because there's... <laughs> They give you the newborn, they put, they make sure you're in the car seat well, and they wave at you as you leave the hospital, and then you're driving home, and you're like, well, but now what? You know, <laughs> there's yeah. no instruction manual. We get an instruction manual with the microwave and the dishwasher and the refrigerator. We don't get instruction manuals with kids, and Lord knows even if we did, it wouldn't probably match 90% of what we need because our kids have their own personalities. But at least if we had a beginning basis, it would help us. So I'm going to be honest with you. I feel like we all kind of wing it. But what I'm trying to do as a parenting coach and a step family coach is to help them not have to wing it without some tools in their toolbox. So when I sit down with parents or when I'm doing my workshops, I'm just trying to give you some tools that you can. We don't always need a pipe wrench, but man, when that kitchen sink pipe busts, we're happy to know we have a pipe wrench. So... It's those things of, if I can give some parents some strategies and, and say, look, you may not need this now, but I guarantee you when your kid hits the preteen stages, you're definitely going to need this because we're all just trying to figure it out as we go. I made a, a number of mistakes that I wish I could go back and undo, but I did what I, Maya Angelou's quote of, you do what you know how to do, but when you know better, you do better. Right. Like, oh my gosh, that is my theme quote for my business of Dare to Parent because I tell parents, look, we're, we do what we know how to do, but then when we gain these strategies, these tools, these techniques for communication and discipline and things, when we know better, we can do better. So we just need that. We need that information. There are people out there that have the information. Let's go get it. So that's, I love being one of those people that can share these things with other people and say, look, I know you're struggling right now and it's okay because we all do, but there are some things that we can maybe help you with. I love that. Thank you so much. You know, there's so much that we could, this is what we talked about today was the, the dirt that we're planting the seeds in with each parenting topic that comes up, each question that comes up, it all goes back to this, but I can add strategies of here's how to do it. You right. Know, so like specific strategies I could offer. So can we talk a little bit about what happens when we are not intentional? What happens when parents are not raising their children with that intentionality? What are some of the consequences that can happen? Oh, sure. When we're not clear on why we're doing the things that we're doing as parents, there's mixed messaging for the kids. We may parent very differently. Somebody may um, be a doormat parent and go, hey, as long as they're happy and not yelling at me, I'm fine with whatever they're doing. Other parents may be more of what they call the dictator parent. It's all about the rules and the structure and this with no flexibility. So you want to try to be in the middle. But if you don't know why you're making the parenting decisions that you are, then there's going to be mixed messaging, which means the kids don't know what they're expected to do you're going to be feeling so much more stress because you're just, if you don't know where you're going, you're going to start running in circles. So right. we need a map in front of us. This is why I'm making these parenting decisions. And these are the values that fit into this. It, that's the other thing is when we're clear on our values, we're, we're definitely more intentional because we can 
our kids could ask us a question and we can say, does this fit into the family values? Yes or no. If no, then we have to have a discussion about why not. And, you know, and that doesn't mean we can't be flexible and add something to it. But when we are not intentional, our messaging is chaotic. The kid's behavior is chaotic. We're extra stressed, which means the kids are extra stressed. And there's a lack of communication and there's a lot more arguing in the family because nobody knows exactly what's expected from one day to the next. So I do have a question. So at some point, kids have to learn how to create what's important to them and their own personal values. So at what age and how do you start transitioning from the family values? And then do you just like, at some point, just start including the children and those discussions on like in do they have a voice in creating these values the family yes. values yes okay what i love to do is work with the parents specifically first in that whole mm -hmm. process that i explained earlier and then i'll say okay you're going to talk to your kids about these things but i want you to open the conversation and say what are some other things that you think we could do well you know what are some things that we can incorporate into this list that would make us a, a better family you know, we, we are more respectful of each other, things like that. A lot of times, it's funny because kids will tell you about the rules that they have in their classroom. Right. And they'll say, you know, well, one of the rules that we have in our classroom is to always be kind. So if you can't say something nice, maybe you shouldn't say it. So then you add that to your family list. So I give the, I send the parents home with the top five, but then I say, I would really love for your family to have a top 10. So that opens up the discussion for the kids. The other thing parents need to be aware of is kids will go with this for a while, but they hit that preteen stage and then they start making their own decisions. And that's when you need to then change your dialogue to tell me more about why you made that decision or tell me more about what you're hearing from your friends. What are you seeing on social media that's influencing you to make these decisions? And there's a whole nother line of, you know, conversation that can then happen as your kids get older. Now, I will tell you when your kids hit middle teens, late teens, especially as they, they hit senior year and they think they're all that in two bags of chips, they will start <laughs> rejecting some of your stuff and they will say, well, that fit for you or that was fine for when I was five, but I'm my own person now. Right. And this is true. You are your own person, but what kind of person do you want to be? There are some things that as a parent, you need to let go. And then, you know, of those expectations, because your then young adult is figuring out who am I going to be in the real world, you know, once I leave. And then open those, again, open it up for conversation with your kids. And look, you're going off to high school from middle school. You're going to meet more people. You're going to have to make bigger decisions on things. I work, you know, with a coalition here in Worthington, and we talk to parents about that transition from elementary to middle school, and then from middle school to high school, and your kids are exposed to things that you didn't expect them to be exposed to, so you need to make sure your family values are plugged into your kids really well, so that when they head into those situations, they're going to be like, ooh, not a good thing for me. Right, yeah. But be prepared to, to be open. I love the phrase, and I use this all the time, listen to learn, not to lecture. 
I like so that. When you, you know, when we ask our kids, well, tell me more about it. And then we don't actually listen. We just wait for our turn to talk about why they're wrong. Right. We're not listening to learn. We're listening to lecture them on why I'm right and you're wrong. So open yourself up to learning. If I'm interested in what you're telling me and I ask you more questions about why this particular thing is important to you, I'm going to have more influence on you than if I shut you down. Definitely. I think it's such a fine line because if you don't give them that space to express what they really feel, they'll shut you out. She'll shut you down right away. And it's like, well, they'll just stop sharing. Right. And then you're not going to get that information and you're not going to have that influence on them. But so it's so important to always, uh, I don't even know what the word I'm looking for, but to always have that communication open by being a good listener and not just like you said, like waiting so that you can lecture them, you know, and obviously sometimes it requires just like, this is the rules, right? You really, I I feel like you need to really get their buy-in as much as possible. I teach this thing. It's called, I call it the ABCs of parenting. So acknowledge your child's feelings. Super important to acknowledge their feelings. I hear you. I hear that you're mad at me right now. Totally get it. But then you have to, the B part of this is, you know, be very clear about either your expectations, your limitations, or the situation. So be very clear about those things. So sometimes when when, um, kids are, they're in an argument and then one slaps the other one. I hear that you were mad at your brother. I really, I understand that you were mad at him and I can see how that him taking your choice made you frustrated. Totally understand that. But in our family, we have a rule of not hitting. We use our words instead of hitting. That's the B part. Be very clear about your expectations. The C part is then choose options. You know, we acknowledge their feelings. We're very clear about the expectations or the limitations. And then we help them choose options. So when you're angry with your brother, what are some other things that you could do to express your feelings? You can use those words. I'm really mad at you right now because you took my toys or just walk through, but let them brainstorm with you some of those options that they can choose and then walk down that path with them. Well, if you did that, then what would happen? Right. Well, then he, you know, well, he might not give me my toy back. Well, so what could you do next? You know, a problem solve, walk them through that problem solving technique because kids don't naturally know how to problem solve. So the ABCs, and you can use that with your teens too. I I do this all the time with our insight kids um, through the school district that I work Monday nights with. And I'm like, I get it that you felt pressured to do this particular behavior but you know that you're underage and you're not allowed to be doing this particular thing. So what are some other options? If you're in this situation, again, what are some other options that you have in that particular situation? And I let them brainstorm first. When you're brainstorming with your kids, don't shoot down any of their ideas. They may come up with some things and you go, wow, this is, I don't even know why you're thinking that. Don't shoot it down. Go, wow, that's really interesting. What else do you think? Just let it be a free flow and then start. So out of all of the things that we talked about, all of the options, what's one that really kind of sits with you? And then let's walk through that and see what, what would happen if. 
So the ABCs are super easy to remember. And then you get yourself out of lecture mode and into inquisitive mode, that wanting to learn mode. And then your kids are going to be more open to your boundaries because you've really heard them. You've acknowledged right. their feelings yeah. and you've heard them out. And they're like, well, yeah, I can see why I shouldn't have done that. And now that we figured this out, I know that now I can do this other thing instead that still fits within the family values. Yeah. It's a roundabout way of getting there. <laughs> but no, I like it though. Education. No, I like it though, because it really, it teaches children how to problem solve. Like you said, they're not born learning. No one's born knowing how to solve a problem, but walking them step by step on, on how to think about it and how to come up with alternative ideas eventually when they're on their own that's how that's how they'll start to process stuff you, you know it's exactly the way you're modeling it as you're going through that discussion so i think that's cool it's a really good tactic well thank you <laughs> <laughs> wow well i feel like i could talk to you literally all day amy i know i feel like we could do this for quite a while because you've had some I really know. interesting you know you've been through the the whole single parent thing and so you've got some interesting experiences that i could learn from definitely right well i i learned the hard way through a lot of these things but you know <laughs> that's the thing at the end of the day it's just how do we best position our children for success Yes. And there's so many, and there's no guidebook, there's no manual for any of these things. So I just think it's so important to just rely on experts. Like there's things I'm good at, good, good things, or there's things that I'm not good at. So the things that I'm not good at when it comes to parenting, I need to be open-minded and reach out to people that would have that information. I feel like sometimes we just try to like wing it, wing it, wing it. We think we have all the time in the world, and then at the end of the day, we really don't. And then all of a sudden, kids are stuck, you know, they're, they fall into patterns that are hard to break. And it's it, because we weren't parenting with that intentionality, I feel. Right. And I don't want anyone to feel like, oh, my kids are teenagers and I haven't done any of this yet, so it's too late. Right. It is never, never, ever too late to make some changes. We may not make massive changes but there might be small little tweaks that we can do uh, that that could still make a difference and the other thing i wanted to say is if anybody wanted to talk to me about anything i want them to know i am in a non-judgment zone so i've screwed up on, on my parenting and i'm no expert at this but i've done the research i've done the trainings i've gotten three kids to this point I've been in parent education for a really long time now, and I, I have some strategies that can help. I, but I am by no way, shape, or form going to judge any other parent because, look, this is, like we said, there is no book on how to do this. So, <laughs> yeah. It's the most important job, you know? Like, And there's no official training. <laughs> right. It's the most important job with no official training. It's like yes. the one thing you got to get right. But how do you even get it? How do you even get it right? Right. Yeah. We make what does right even look like? Yes. And we take, well, you know, and I'm glad that you said that because there is no one right way. Right. Yeah. You know, you mentioned the word success. Every family has a different version of what that word means. And, 
And I take that into consideration too when I work with couples. And it's sometimes something I have to work with them because they might even have their own definitions that don't match up. But you know, what's the success for one family might not be the, the measure of success for another. I think though, we all walk in with the idea of, look, we want to raise kids that are going to come out to be good adults. They're kind, they're compassionate, they're independent, they're ready to take their, you know, passions and run with them and, but be contributing human beings in this world is really, I think, the goal for all of us at the end is to make sure we just raise good people, you know, out there. But there is, there's no one right way to do this. We all have our own unique family dynamics that are going to play a part in this whole process. Thank you so much. Thank you. I love talking to you. If you've got an immense value from our short conversation with Amy today, I encourage you to sign up for her newsletter called Dare to Parent. You will find links to all her social channels in the show notes. Yeah, that would be awesome. I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. If you got anything positive out of the conversation, do you mind leaving us a five-star review on iTunes? Doing so will allow other parents to help their teens create a life of fulfillment and joy, abundance and impact. Until next time, don't forget to help your teens skip the lunch line and live life on their own terms.